Good morning, everyone. My goodness, I looked at the calendar the other day, and I couldn't believe we're coming up on Palm Sunday already. And then, of course, the, the week that follows, which is the excruciating situation re regarding our, our Lord and Savior as he paid our, the penalty for our sin. And um, so uh, this morning, I would like to... Um, uh, talk about the earth, earthly ministry of Jesus Christ and that it can be divided into three stages. The cradle, the cross, and the crown. Uh, our text today is a familiar one and is found in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, if you'd like to turn there. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. And our text reads, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I'd like you to remember that last uh, statement there, that at the name of Jesus everything, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things on the earth, and things under the earth, because that's going to come up uh, a little later in our discussion. All right, before we continue, let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we uh, just thank you so much, Lord, for this season that's upon us, and uh, uh, Lord, that we uh, are, are so humbled and, and uh, so thankful uh, for uh, the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ on our behalf. And uh, Lord, we just uh, uh, pray that uh, you would help our, our message to be clear this morning, and, and Lord, that uh, uh, you would help us to uh, be challenged and, and uh, come to understand some things possibly that, that we've never in, uh, uh, considered before. Lord, we just commit this all to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. There never was enough, by the way, I'm in the midst of having some eye problems that have to be taken care of surgically here in another week or two, so I'm having a little problem reading. If I, if I mess up, uh, you'll know what's going on. <laughs> there never was another who was a human child and also a divine son, who was wounded by Satan and who crushed Satan who was appointed the savior of men, yet whose body was destroyed by men, who was mankind's righteous judge, uh, yet was led as a felon from one tribunal to another. There never was another who died and was buried and yet lived, who saved others, yet himself he did not save, who had no sin in him, yet all sin on him, who was the king of glory, yet whose crown was not adorned with the glorious jewels of heaven, but with the bloodletting thorns, thorns of earth. 
There never was another who was the victim of a Roman cross and victor at a Jewish grave. There never was another who filled all seas, lakes, and rivers, yet on the cross said, I thirst. And our text tells us that God has given him a name far above every name. So I will speak today of our righteous, risen, reigning Christ in a message entitled, The Cradle, the Cross, and the Crown. So we'll begin, uh, obviously, with the cradle. Uh, Jesus Christ was born in a humble manger to common parents. Common, that is, by human standards. While the birth of a child would normally be cause for great rejoicing, the joy of, his, of this birth would bring the joy that this birth would bring is to be short-lived, for this child would live but a scant three decades. I can see this little baby lying in a dirty barn. We, we commonly call it a manger. I can almost hear him coo. I can almost see him jerk his little arms about with the erratic movements befitting one of such a tender age. Clothed in soft baby skin, here lies in a manger, Emmanuel, God with us. Here he lies, God's greatest gift to mankind. Here he lies, the perfect sacrificial lamb, the atonement for our sin. Here he lies, a baby born to die. But why? The observer might ask. Why was this baby born to die? The answer is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. Christ died for our sins. There's the answer. Our sins. Sin, like a river beginning in a quiet spring, ending in a tumultuous sea. Sin, the power that reversed man's nature and destroyed the harmony of his life. The source of all evils. These three little letters sum up the need for the cradle. It's S-I-N. And in the midst of the sin of the world is plunged the perfect payment in the form of this baby called Jesus. Now a star shone brightly on the night of Christ's birth. But if we look closely, we can see a cross looming in the shadows. So the cross is the second topic for us to undertake. Concerning the cross, Jesus was born with the shadow of the cross upon him, with the shadow of the cross upon his heart. He learned to walk. He learned to talk. He learned to work. The shadow of the cross was upon the manger. It was on the walls of the Nazareth carpenter shop. It was on Gethsemane's garden. It was upon him when they came with lanterns and torches to arrest the light of the world. It was on him when Judas betrayed him with a kiss, when Caiaphas condemned him, when Herod mocked him, when Pilate gave him up to an angry crowd, when the Roman scourger whipped him, when finally they nailed him to that tree. Now, the cross was the cruelest 
instrument of death known to man at that time. It showed the depths of man's depravity and inhumanity to his fellow, fellow man. Suspended between heaven and earth, the victim of the cross waited helplessly for death. After a few hours, he would begin to look forward to its arrival. Such helplessness in the midst of excruciating pain. Um, no one there to pat your head or cool your brow. Many a mother has had to look on in stark horror as their son suffered the inhumanities of the Roman cross. The victim writhed in pain and called out in anguish, but to no avail. Such finality, total helplessness in the midst of unimaginable pain. There was only one way to come down from the cross, that being in the hands of those who were appointed to carry you to your grave. When the nails were driven into the hands and feet, it was as though the icy hands of death had clutched its victim, setting off a process that would ever so slowly ebb away the vitality of a once vibrant life. Such honor, such horror associated with the cross. The Hebrew writings gave this dread warning. Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Any, any attempt to truly understand the cruel process of the cross would prove futile. The ripping of the skin, the bursting of the arteries, the severing of the nerves it would bring torment almost imaginable by us here today. The cross was hell on earth. Humanity made in the image of God impelled on a ghastly wooden beam. It's a scene, scene that would send shivers through the soul of any man. Yet Jesus, God's son, was born under the shadow of the cross. It loomed before him as his greatest exploit. All the challenges of his life would wane in significance when compared to the challenge of the cross. He winced at the very thought of it. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he asked the Father to let this cup pass from him. If only there were another solution to the sin question. But he resigned himself to the will of God. Scripture tells us he endured the cross, despising the shame. I, dealt, I doubt we will ever fully understand the awfulness of Christ's crucifixion. I would today that God would help us to see, it, to see it a little clearer. At Calvary, we found the Creator being put to death at the hands of the creation. Or on a more personal note, your sins and my sins sealing his fate. It was our sins that caused him to go through such torment. You see, a debt had to be paid one we were unable to pay. But Jesus, God's Son, took our place on that cross, for only he was qualified, only he was capable, and only he was worthy. Is it any wonder, then, that the great Apostle Paul said, 
but God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. A wonderful old hymn says, When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Thank God for the cross of Calvary upon which our freedom was purchased. Thank God for the Christ of the cross of Calvary upon whom our judgment was poured. All of us, millions and billions of people, our judgment, all of us, was poured upon him. And now we turn to the crown. Friends, the cross was not the end. It was only the beginning. No, make, make no mistake about it. Jesus Christ reigns. Amen? Our text declares that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ is a conqueror. He never leads to defeat. He never commands a retreat or surrender to Satan, a retreat from or a surrender to Satan. He is a conqueror in heaven. Our text says every knee should bow in heaven. He is a conqueror on earth. Every knee should bow on earth. The prophet Daniel said, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven, and there was given him dominion, and glory, and a kingdom, but all, that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed. The Apostle Paul said, then comes the end, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, then comes the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father when he shall have put down all rule and all, all authority and power. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Christ is the conqueror in hell. We've noticed it, that he's the conqueror in heaven and on earth, but he is the conqueror in hell. At the name of Jesus, our text says, every knee shall bow of things under the earth. And that's where he is. And Jesus Christ is the conqueror there as well. Matthew's gospel tells us how the devils begged him not to torment them before their time. They, they understood that every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Awake my soul and sing of him who died for thee and hail him as thy matchless king throughout eternity. 
Folks, if you're searching for Jesus this morning, don't look in the cradle. The cradle is empty. If you're searching for Jesus this morning, don't look at the cross. He is no longer there. If you seek the Lord this morning, don't stoop to peer into the tomb, for it stands forever vacant. A memorial to our resurrected Lord. If you're searching for Jesus this morning, turn your gaze heavenward, where Stephen saw him standing at the right hand of God. Paul heard his voice thunder from heaven while on the Damascus road. Isaiah saw him sitting on his throne, high and lifted up. Daniel saw him reigning as the Ancient of Days. The psalmist saw him riding on the wings of the wind. And John the Revelator saw him as the Lion of Judah, of the tribe of Judah, unto whom all do unto whom is due all power and glory and honor and praise. He came as a babe to a cradle, but now he wears a crown. The cross was once an object of shame, but now it has become a symbol of his glory. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much and praise you for what you provided for us in our helpless state, Father, sinners that needed a Savior. Father, what a Savior you provided in our Lord Jesus Christ, perfect in every way, from the cradle to the crown. And Lord, how we pray that in in this upcoming week as we approach Easter that uh, we'll continue to remember all that he provided for us. We commit this all to you in Jesus' name. Amen.